Welcome to Pagan Coffee Talk. Here are your hosts, Oswin and Lord Knight. Today, let's talk about male mysteries. Okay. Now, this is a thing. We've heard it said there are no male mysteries. Uh, we have heard that. We have heard that women should be privy to male mysteries. But we're not supposed to be privy to theirs. Right. But we are. So, <laughs> right. I, I, I mean, I hate to be that way. What, the majority of men know the female, uh, some of the mysteries. Some of them, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm sure it wouldn't be hard to piece the rest of them together. I honestly believe that there are quite a few of the male mysteries that women already know. Oh, I'm I'm almost guaranteed that. You know, I, I can guarantee that that. Because and I don't I, I don't think these mysteries are really anything secretive. They're not really no mysteries per se. No, they're, and I want to say they're sometimes the best way to look at them is they're not mysteries. They're just stuff you mom wouldn't let you do. Right. <laughs> or if you had a single single parent who was a well, no, no, mother. no, no. I mean that whole entire thing of you know the difference between when dad's watching you and mom's watching you. Oh, okay, yeah. You, you know what I'm talking about. And dad lets you get away with all sorts of stuff right. that be your like, mom. Eh. That right. your mom would never allowed you to do. Right. I know. Go ahead. Jump off the damn roof. Let's see how well that's going to go. Here, hold this umbrella. Right. <laughs> see how far you get. Yeah. I think those are the male mysteries. Okay. And that's why people think there aren't male mysteries. Because they are mysteries of action. Of doing. It's basically growing up and learning to be a guy. Right. I mean, again, if you think about it this way, and me and Lady Keegan had a conversation about this, and when she was sitting there one day complaining about she was starting her monthly and she was getting that boost of testosterone. And she was saying something about that, about how aggressive and stuff she felt during all of this. And I'm like, well, that's that shot of testosterone you're getting, which starts your cycle. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, yeah. I was just like, yeah, that's like a guy. On a daily basis. Right. And she's like, so one of the mysteries there is y'all learning how to uh, control or to aim or to push Manage. that aggression in more other ways than just lashing out. Right. It's not something you're told. You're just, I don't know how to put that. My dad was. Your dad would show, would show you or tell you how to do it by doing it, not by by being it, not by telling you. Right. There wasn't anything that he could really... Well, I mean, there was things, I feel, that he could have told me, but he didn't. Instead, he was the example. Right. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, my dad taught me a lot of things about, like, you know, it, through his actions about the whole entire thing of how a male's pride can sometimes be more detrimental <laughs> to them. <laughs> right. Because, I mean, I, I remember being a kid, you know, teenager and stuff, and watching him, like, fall into a hole and actually really hurt himself. Right. And him just sitting there going, I'm fine. Go inside. Right. <laughs> and, I mean, again, it wasn't anything else. It was a pride thing. Right. It's, it's, it's yeah. Yeah. And, and, again, there's a difference there. You know, by his actions, and don't get me wrong, I love my dad to death, and he's a wonderful man, but... This was the lesson that he taught me by showing it. Right. 
that sometimes, you know, guys' prides can get into their own way. And we got to be aware of that. You know, it's one thing what to rub dirt into it and walk off and walk it off. And then there's, no, there's a bone sticking out of there. Yeah, you, you might need to go to the hospital. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, it'd be all right. It's just a flesh wound. Right. Here, we'll just we'll, we'll wrap it up and yeah, it'll be all right. Yeah, the whole mighty python. It's just a flesh wound. <laughs> Arms off. <laughs> I mean, I, I think these are the male mysteries. And this is why a lot of people don't think there are male mysteries. Right. Because they're not easily translated. You know, hence the reason I think, like, the Boy Scouts was a really good idea. And I think the Boy Scouts would have been better if it was more of an encouragement of father and son versus you with, with the other boys and... And a scout leader. And just a scout leader. Right. And I'm not saying that against the scout leader. I'm just saying... To me, it seems like that should have been more of a function to bond father and son together by doing these activities right. with other fathers and sons. I, I think Boy Scouts would have been a whole lot better. Than well, see, like growing up, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church and my dad and my mom both. We we had an organization in our church called the Royal Ambassadors or the right. RAs. And they were teachers in this organization and they encouraged a lot of the fathers the RAs was, it was for boys. Right. You know, we had our GAs or girls in action that was for the girls, but both organizations encouraged the parents to get involved. Yeah. And so therefore like when the boys would go camping or whatever, it was encouraged that the fathers come. Mm hmm. Whenever we went out to go do, things for people who weren't able to do things like cleaning up their yards and stuff like that the fathers again were encouraged to come along spend time with their sons let's do some bonding learn some lessons learn some lessons see i really like this idea we got a lot of guys out there right now and i don't think they necessarily know how to be a dad how to teach those lessons right with the advancement of technology and stuff like that, how many people actually know how to actually start a fire by the whole rubbing two sticks together? Right. I mean, the fact is, this was a skill that all kids learned at some point. It's great for a boy's self-confidence and stuff to realize that they've went out, captured their food, put it on the table, prepped it, cooked it, and it was eating it. Right. You know, I can't explain to you what the male mysteries are there until you, until you're a guy going through the process. Does that? Yeah, it makes sense. No, we're not going to see it like women. You know, I, women aren't going to act like men, but I believe the sexes need the time to be themselves. Right. It, there are things unique to both sexes. Right. That the other cannot experience. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong, there, there's some mysteries there, you know, like that dads can teach. And normally those things come along the lines of, you know, when you have that dream in the middle of the night and you go to your dad and things are a little messy. Right. Uh, shaving. You know, I mean, while this was not originally a male mystery, it becomes a male mystery because the bond between father and son, showing him how to do this, what to do, and how to avoid the mistakes he made trying to learn maybe about himself. 
Right. You know, I, my dad didn't really teach me to shave. I sort of had to figure it out for myself, but. Well, my dad didn't really teach me that either, but he did let me play with razors that didn't have a blade in it. Yeah. And so I, by doing that, I was kind of gaining some knowledge of what to do and how to travel the blade in certain directions. Well, again, I'm not kicking my dad because my dad, as long as I can remember, my dad's always used an electric razor. Oh, okay, yeah. He's never used a regular. Right, like a razor. A razor razor and did it wet. So he never actually showed me or anything. So I sort of had to, yeah, figure it out because it's not what he did. Right. And I, and, and I did the same thing for years. I just used an electric razor because that's what my dad did. Right. You know, I mean, the fact that it tore my face up all up. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like, but, you know, right. was, this, this requires no instructions on how to do. You just place and rub on face. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I tried an electric razor and I felt like it was just pulling the fuck out of all the hairs and I just, I couldn't deal with it. But I grew up shaving. So. Yeah. I, again, this is the things that boys need to learn. They need to spend time with their dads. I think so, yeah. They need to spend time. They need to spend time with their dad around other men. Did that make Yeah, I think that's important because there are other lessons that can be gleaned and it goes beyond just, you know, "Quote unquote," how to be a man. Well, I mean, I, I remember growing up and my Part dad of, and my dad taking me fishing with his buddies. Right. So I got to learn how to be a guy watching my dad interact with other guys. Right. Which taught me how to interact with other guys. Exactly. To a certain how far you can push it and not. Right. Yeah. It also goes to how to treat your partner, how to treat your wife, your husband, you know, your husband, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. How to treat your family. And when you need to be that guy that stands in the way so everybody else can be safe. Right. And sometimes it, it's something as simple as, you know, son, when you're walking with your girlfriend down the sidewalk, you make sure you are on the side of the traffic. Right. I know a lot of people would look at you going, well, what's the point on that? But Well, it's a protection thing. It's a protection thing. You know, and if a car was going to hit you, I could push you out of the way, and I'd get hit, not you. Right. And again, here's a mindset of guys. We're we're taught. I, I don't want to say taught, but somehow in the back of our mind, I think we're programmed to self-sacrifice. Uh, yeah, I think so. You know, I mean, no, not all men, do, uh, but the majority. I, I, I think when it comes down to it, you know, even the most timid guy would be that guy that would stand up for his girl or his family and stand in the way, knowing right. that the people are going to, to give his family more of a time to either get away or escape or live just a little bit longer. Right. You know, I don't think that's a lesson that we're taught by our fathers. I just, I think it's something innate. Yeah, I think that's that's something that's more like an instinct. What I think our fathers and other men teach us on this is how to accept that about ourselves. Mm, good point. That whole entire concept of a brave man does something in spite of his fear. Right. That we do it because we are afraid of it. You yeah, know, facing, facing those fears head on. Head on. Yeah. And not shying away from them. Because nobody's going to cope things over. Nobody's going to make anything easy for you. No. 
No spoonful of sugar here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, and it's not who I'm big, bad, and tough. It's just I'm doing what's needed to be done. Right. It needs to be done. It's necessary. So this is what I have to do. You know, I I, I know for a fact, and I've driven you up the wall because I I, I have this type of attitude and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I, I remember many a times I've been out was outside and splitting a couple of cords of wood and you sitting there getting mad because I'm just getting too old to do this. Right. And you're like, no, you got to stop. No, you got to stop. Again, that male pride coming in there, which. Of course it is. Yeah. But again, this male pride to a certain extent is also helpful when we're dealing in the concept of sacrificing ourselves for others. Well, yeah. I'm I'm not saying pride's a bad thing. It can be just like anything else, but. When it gets into your way of just being stupidity, it's a bad thing. Right. Well, it's just like anything else we talked about, about moderation right. of all things. You know, is is the best course, right. I, I think. Uh, I could be wrong there. Right. And I think it's okay to be stupid every once in a while. But just don't be, like, really stupid. Don't go off and every boy in try their to life, cut your hand Every boy in the their life should say at least five times, hey, guys, watch this. Right. <laughs> Look, Ma, no hands. Scare the piss out of your mother in the process. What? What are you doing? Stop. Wait a minute. Remember, I was the one that would, where my mother looked at my friends and went, if he jumped off a bridge, would y'all? Right. Because <laughs> you were the instigator. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> didn't instigate i encouraged i motivated whatever <laughs> sure you did i think i'm about out of coffee on this all right all right so let's talk about something else folk magic eagles traditionalist no don't because we've been hearing this a lot lately we have we have that traditional bit that being a traditional witch means that you deal with folk magic that is a lie. Are there traditionalists who follow and study folk magic and folklore and all that? Yes. Sure, yes. Well, this is more about what makes a traditional a traditionalist. And what makes a traditionalist a traditionalist is is that you were trained and initiated into craft. Right. Folk magic can become a religion and can become a member of craft. It's already happened before. Yeah. With voodoo. Because it was a mixture of Catholicism and African ritual practices. And that's it. Right. That's folk magic. Just like up here in North Carolina, North and South Carolina, and all the, up near the Blue Ridge Parkway and all that, where we had the people from Highland of Scotland and Southern Baptists coming together. Right. They created what is known as, nowadays is known as granny magic. All right, this is where we get the uh, granny from the Beverly Hillbillies character. This is what she right, is. Right. All right. This doctor slash healer slash brewery maker slash cook. And this is what a granny witch is. Right. This is folk magic. All right. And if, I'm sorry if you lived in Ireland and stuff like that and Scotland and all that, that's your folk magic. Am I making any sense here? Yeah. This is not a stepping stone to being a traditionalist. What separates traditionalists from all the other ones are we are initiated. And we're not talking about self-initiations, which ain't real. 
All right. I don't care if they videotape them or not. They're not real. All right. Well, what about you? You said where what makes us a traditionalist is that we are initiated. Right. What about those family folk traditions? And I use the words folk traditions loosely where they do actually initiate their children into their practice. And that's a family tradition, and I wouldn't want to step into that hornet's nest to save my life. But they're initiated. They're initiated, but that's normally within the family itself. It's never going to grow past it. So, but can't, but by that definition, can't they call themselves a traditionalist? Well, I mean, it's just like I said, I'm not saying that traditionalists don't study or practice certain folk medicine stuff. It's just not required to be a traditionalist did that make sense a little bit but i'm still i'm still back to if you've got people who are practicing folk magic okay these people that you hear talk about folk magic and stuff like that right they talk about celtic myths and stuff like that right you never hear them talk about damn johnny appleseed no or babe the big blue ox and paul bunyan and all that no if you're teaching if you're going to do fucking magic Let's start hearing you talk about these, of the land that you live on. If you're going to get that specific, use the ones from your land. Okay. And again, this is an initiated tradition that we are in. You come in, you study, you're trained to understand certain things, and then you're initiated. Then you start your training again for second degree, and you're initiated. Then the same thing happens again at third. You're initiated. So right. that's what makes a traditionalist. That's what makes us traditionalist. Now, if you're just part of a family and they're doing some type of initiation, I can't sit there and say if it's a pagan thing or if it's that hillbilly initiation type thing. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where it becomes more like a rite of passage? We, yeah, where it's more of a rite of passage versus... Today I am a man because I went through because I, I, my uncles took me out to the woods and left me somewhere drunk for three days. Right, and told me to find my way home. And told me to find my way home. This to me has nothing to do with craft. This has to do with the social of the family. Does that make sense? Okay. The social working of the family. This initiation is not an initiation technically into craft. This is an initiation into their family. Okay. This is where this difference is between these initiations. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I, I was I, trying I, to get to because it was, I, I, and and I, know, I know I know it's a hard topic to. It, it is, and I know I have to go all the way out to limbo to come all the way back. Right. <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it. Right, because I'm sure some people were like, "What's that got to do with anything?" Well, and see, here's what makes it harder: is that me and you both know that I have members in my family who live this type of lifestyle that we're trying to. Right. Vaguely go around. And these people only come out of the hills and the mountains once a year to buy sugar, corn, and some other things and pick up some odds and ends and go back. Right. And you never hear, you don't hear from them again for another year. These types of family, they're very close knit. We're not talking about inbreeding, but they're very close knit and you do not want to go on their property without permission. Right. Or without them being knowing or you being related to them, you'll get shot. And they won't find the body. Right. (laughs) Secrets in the sauce. (laughs) That lifestyle, that right there is completely different than craft. 
because that initiation is initiation into the family. Okay. All right. Or a coming of age type of initiation that, you know, from this point on, we're going to look at you either as a man or a fully grown woman and treat you as such. So what you're talking about is more of a rite of passage versus an initiation. Well, I mean, I was just curious because I know there's going to be somebody, somebody. Well, and, 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 it, and you know, and we did have somebody contact us via email who was kind of in that same situation mm-hmm. where they practiced with their family. Right. And that's what they were initiated into. Well, see, now, now again, this, this might only be our temple, but we tend to want to stay away from family members initiating other family members. Right, but I mean, if it's, if it's a family practice. This, right. I, I'm not going to say anything because it's a family practice. But does that make them traditionalist? I guess it really depends on if they're like following the ethics and morals and the laws. And am I making okay. sense there? Yeah. Which a lot of these families, like you're talking about, don't do. They just have their own way of doing things, and that's just it. Okay. You know, so yeah, I mean, there are more things behind that, but the main thing there is it is an initiation. And again, it's not a self-initiation. I want to make sure we have that distinguished. Right. <laughs> so that way you, if you got somebody who's self-initiated going, well, I practice folk magic and I'm self-initiated. So I'm a traditionalist. No, you, you, you're not. Right. There's a little bit more to it than that. Like I said, following the laws, following the ethics and morals and having them oaths. Right. Because in these family things, your O's are normally taken to the family and craft. Our O's are taken to craft itself. Right. Not necessarily the tradition altogether. So, I mean, otherwise, I mean, this is folk magic. And I don't see how in the world people are calling that traditionalist. All right. I, I mean, in a certain extent, I understand that it's traditional magic and traditional folklore and all this stuff. Yes. But it's not traditional craft. And like I said, these most of these people that I see online claiming this, especially in the U.S., they're not using U.S. mythology. No, they're not. They're either using Norse or whatever. So, again, you're lying out your ass because that's not the folk magic of the land that you live in. Right. And I think you should start using that if you're going to call yourself you know, a folk magic here in the United States. You need to use our legends and myths. Right. I mean, I, it wasn't... I guess, well, I, mean, I don't you, know, it was well, earlier I mean, this year that I, I actually read a book on Appalachian magic, folk magic, uh-huh. and their biggest thing was, if you're going to practice Appalachian folk magic, you need to go with the myths and legends and the lore of the land on which you reside. Right. So, I mean, are these people really what in the world they say they are if they're following these men? Well, you know, I, I, I'm from that part. You haven't been from that part in generations. Right. It's I like, mean, I don't think I could practice Appalachian folk magic, but I could practice some type of folk magic in the area in which I grew up. But see, I don't know which is worse. These people actually fooling themselves into thinking this, right? Yeah. Or the fact is that they actually think this. I don't know which is worse, that they actually practice it or they think this is what in the world this is. Uh, do you see which what I'm saying? Which came first, the chicken or the egg? I, I, 
Exactly. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> how can you really say? I mean, but again, I mean, you see these folk magic and stuff, and, and, and you, you see them online, and I don't see any of them doing anything folksy. Yeah, I mean, I have nothing against folk magic. Folk magic, I, mean, it's, I grew up with some folk magic. It's, it, it, it's, it's some powerful stuff. Yeah. It works. Well, I mean, I, but, I, I was raised on it too. I mean, my grandma came from those regions and knows yes. some of that, knew some of that granny stuff. Absolutely, yes. All right, and I, I, I'm sorry, but you're going to call it folk magic, but one of the remedies for getting a burn up for talking the heat out of burns mm-hmm. is doing nothing more than the Lord's Prayer while blowing a cross on the damn thing. Absolutely. Oh yeah, that's craft, all right, right there. I mean, yeah. Completely well, and, from a different religion, craft. I, well, that's that's uh, uh, that's a totally different topic. But yeah, and, and a lot of the Appalachian folk magic stuff is based but, in Christianity. But th- th- that's my point. This is what folk magic is. Folk magic is the blending of two different cultures to make a new culture. Right. That's folk magic. Traditional yeah. magic is a more set up course. Or what am I? What I'm trying to think of uh, more organized than folklore, because a right. lot of folk, a lot of folklore I knew growing up, some of it never made any sense. Right. Because one would tell you to do. Because one of the folklords I remember growing up with, where we live, was if you pull a cat alive, and the first bone that comes up you take to a crossroads, hold your hands above your head. And say everything between my hands and my feet I give to the devil, you suddenly supposedly supposed to become a witch. Right. With powers in the whole nine yards. Right. I don't see too many people doing that shit either. Mm-mm. You know, the first person to do it, I'm gonna say, you you little nuts to pull a cat alive. I'm just <laughs> Right. <laughs> so I mean, how much of this folklore are you following? How much of it aren't you following? Are you only following the ones that you like? Are you cherry picking? Right. We're back to if you're going to follow that, you need to follow it. Right. Don't sit there and tell me about your Fay Wan when you're claiming to be a folk magic and you're living in North Car- and you're living in uh, uh, the United States, and you don't sit there and talk about Johnny Appleseed. Right. You're not doing folk magic. You're being a dick. Right. <laughs> Pretty much. I, well, I wouldn't, maybe, okay, maybe being a dick is too harsh of a word. You're being not quite honest with yourself, I, I guess would be the way to put that. And I don't know how to tell people what a traditionalist is without starting to spill some mysteries. But, I mean, there are certain sets of rules and ethics and stuff and oaths and stuff that we take to make us a traditionalist. Like one of the oaths that we take is that if we reveal any of our mysteries to anyone outside of teaching and prepared and correctly done that we lose our chances of uh, reincarnation. All our tools and powers will turn against us and we just become complete idiots. Right. So, yeah, I think I'm done. I'm out of coffee. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another episode. Pagan Coffee Talk is brought to you by Life Temple and Seminary. Please visit us at lifetempleseminary.org for more information, as well as links to our social media. Facebook, Discord, Twitter, YouTube, and Reddit. We travel down this trodden path, the maze of stone and mire. 
Just hold my hand as we pass by a sea of blazing pyres. And so it is the end of our days, so walk with me till morning breaks. And so it is the end of our days, so walk with me till morning.